0: Well, good morning, good morning. Uh, if you uh, have your Bibles, you can grab those, Galatians chapter uh, 5 is where we will be this morning, Galatians uh, chapter 5. Um, and I just want to say thanks again for these guys behind us uh, a few minutes ago that led worship. Um, Eric is doing great, recovering well, um, just trying to get his lung capacity to be able to sing and do some things like that back. Um, so that's why he's not here. I thought take his time and just get better, um, enjoy time with your family and um, things like that. Uh, and then this week, um, Hannah had felt sick, uh, and so out of precaution, uh, we, we just said, hey, just just take it easy, stay at home. She went and was tested, and it came back negative, and so uh, by the time that negative uh, came in, uh, again, we, we just wanted her to stay at home and, and get better and feel better and things like that. And so we're going to do everything that we can to stay as safe as possible and be as, uh, take as much caution as we need to. Um, But with that being said, I just want you to let us know, man, we miss you. Like, we really miss getting to see family. Um, And and as a church, that's what we are. We are the family of God. And so we miss seeing you. We miss spending time with you. And so we, uh, again, cannot wait until we can get back together. Um, And so, again, I just want to say if there's anything that we can do to just, I mean, to serve you or to pray for you or to uh, run errands for you or anything like that, please do not hesitate to contact us. Uh, No, but again we cannot wait to to gather again and so with that this is what we're thinking, this is what we're looking at and praying about is uh, the beginning of August looking at getting back together and so this next week couple weeks we'll uh, be sure and get information out to you so you can um, plan accordingly and again we're going to say the same thing that we've been saying throughout this whole thing is that if you don't feel comfortable please by all means uh, stay at home, Uh, we'll continue to broadcast like we've been broadcasting Uh, if you want to come with a mask on however you feel comfortable and safe uh, we encourage you to do that if you felt sick then please when we do reopen uh, stay home and take your time there getting better but we're going to do everything that we can uh, to just keep you safe um, and so one of the things that we've done um, right whenever COVID hit uh, we uh, had the opportunity to purchase some air purifiers and uh, and so with that that air purifier is more than just an air purifier it actually uh, helps kill viruses and things and this week, study came out on this that it does help uh, kill the COVID virus um, so if that happens here there's um any particles from from someone and stuff like that that would lend itself to, to have that then one of the things that is great about these purifiers is they help uh, get rid of that and so on top of that uh, again Ms. Donna is cleaning weekly um, she is just sanitizing this place like crazy and so again as the week progresses we'll let you know and get you some more uh, information but we're looking at the beginning of August. And so last week we looked at 1 John chapter 2 uh, where John encourages us to to love God supremely, to be for God and serving Him and walking Him out in this world because what he says that there's those that's not. Is that there are those that are for the world and the world and God are in opposition of each other constantly warring. And so we are in week four of our uh, series this summer where we're trying to process what in the world is going on. What in the world is happening in our culture, in our day? And so we just talked in depth last week about the desire that we all have is to love something. There's something that we're going after, that we want, that we care about supremely. And our problem is with the world. We fight against that if we uh, uh, have been born again, if we are a part of God's family, then we have to love him supremely but our world's love is misplaced into something that is uh fleeting something that is dying and that will bring death and so if you missed any of that talk last week or any in this series you can catch up uh on our website or you can go back to our uh church app and, and find that there and so i'm going to ask you again this morning if you would join me as we pray and then we'll jump into where we're going to be this morning but if you'll join me as we pray father we love you jesus again thank you for this morning God, thank you for the worship Thank you for just a time where we can unplug a little bit and we can focus in on you and we can hear from you. And so Father, we pray this morning that you would speak louder than some guy on a stage with with a a mouthpiece. But God, that that you you would speak by way of your Holy Spirit. So God, for the heart that hears this this morning that's maybe struggling or maybe hurting or needs encouragement, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give everything that's needed to that heart. And Father, if there'd be a heart this morning that hears this, that doesn't know you, Jesus, that you would rescue and save. God, that you would bring them from death to life. So Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to be able to, to proclaim your gospel. God, it's not in an ideal way, but Father, we still get to get your message and your word out. And so Father, we pray that you bless it. We pray that you use it in a mighty way for the building of your kingdom, the equipping of your saints. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. It's your name we pray amen. Have you ever heard it said, maybe this statement, if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, then it's probably a there's like four of them over here that did it. They did, they, they did it. Thank you guys for that. That's awesome. Duck. That's right. Duck. I was hoping this morning in your home or wherever you're at, like you just randomly yelled out duck. So if you're at the beach, watching on the, on the beach there, out of, in the middle of nowhere, you just yell out duck. And people are like, what in the world? But, but you're absolutely right. If, if it quacks, if it walks, if it looks like, then you're right. It's probably a duck. And so I just really feel like that's where we're at in our world today. And, and, and I'm not talking about that everybody's ducks. What, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is this, is that, is that we're seeing something that we as believers, that, that we should be already aware of, that we should know how to process. Like if you see a duck, you probably know what ducks do. They quack. They, they, they walk around, they try to find water to get into. You, you know how to process and you know what to do when you see a duck. And the same should go for us as believers. When we look at and we process where our world's at and what our world's doing and what it's going through, we should be able to look at that and assess what's going on and what's happening. We have a filter whereby we can look at and we can know. And it's the Bible, it's the gospel. See, it's in God's word that that he lets us know that he tells us how to assess and what to do. He's shown us firsthand how to handle everything that's going on in our world. How to process and what to do with it, especially those who are of the world who are not believers. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the world act like the world. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to outline in some greater detail of what this world looks like. And then what we'll do is next week we're going to finish this series. And we're going to look at our responsibility of, of what to do as the church, as believers. How we respond to all that's going on. And so last week was not to love the world this week we're going to define it in greater detail and depth of what the world is, and so I want to start. I said Galatians five, but I'm going to just just read you a verse. It's a verse that's the most well known verse out there, John three sixteen, and I want to piggyback off of a word that Jesus uses there as we build our case for what the world looks like, what the flesh looks like, and he says this. He says, "For God so loved what the world." For God so loved the world that he did what? His love caused an action to occur that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And so there's that word that I believe that we need to look at, that we need to define, that we need to kind of dissect for a moment. It's that word world. For God so loved the world. And the world here is just the most common meaning for the world here in John. It's just, it's the created and fallen totality of mankind. So what Jesus is saying is that God so loved this fallen mankind that he loved people. And so he's going to use this word world here to refer to the great mass of fallen humanity and their great need for salvation. He's going to point back to the fact that they need Jesus. They need rescuing. They need to be redeemed, purchased back because of their sinfulness, their, their brokenness, their wickedness. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's the countless number of perishing people from whom the whosoever's come here in the second part of this verse. And so the world are those who are dead in their sin. Those who are pursuing the desires of the flesh. So when you think world, think flesh. When you think flesh, think world. And so what we're going to see here in Galatians 5 is Paul break that down all the more. As he's writing to the believers here in Galatia, this is what he says about the flesh. He starts out in verse, uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. He says this, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit. So he's writing to believers and he tells them to walk in the Spirit. What's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit. Walk in, God's leading, God's prompting, God's guiding, God's moving. Walk in the Spirit. And the only way that anybody can do anything anything to bring honor and glory to God is this, is if they are born again, if they've come to true faith in Jesus Christ, if they uh, have entered into relationship with Him whereby they submit and obey gladly, and they've laid down their life and they've entered in through faith. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love that. If you, if you have a sin problem, then what it is is you have, you have a problem here submitting. You have a problem of walking in the Spirit. If there's a sin issue in your life, it's because you haven't handed over the keys to every, every door in your, in your body, in, in your life. You haven't handed over everything. You haven't given Him free reign to rule in your life, whatever the situation or issue may be, or the, the sin that so easily draws you away. Because what Paul tells us is this, is, is that if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I mean, this should be some great encouragement or or maybe some great conviction this morning as you hear these words. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so flesh and world could be tied together. And and so the flesh is this ego which fills an an emptiness, but it loathes, it despises the idea of satisfying it by faith. It wants nothing to do with God. It wants nothing to do to be dependent upon his mercy. Instead, what the flesh longs for, what the flesh wants and runs to, is this legalistic or sinful resources that it can get on its own uh, to try to uh, fill power or fill the void of the emptiness there. That's what flesh is. Romans 8, 7 says it like this The mind is set on the flesh, and it is hostile to God. It does not submit to his law. So the mind, the heart that's set on the flesh, set on the, the me, this this feeling of of, of satisfying my, my own longings and wants and desires, that mind is hostile toward God. Hostility toward God. So the flesh, the longing and desires of self is in opposition to God. So much so that the apostle Paul says that it's hostile toward him. Hostility is not a good thing. See, the basic mark of the flesh is that it's not submissive. That it doesn't submit. And so the unregenerate heart and flesh does what it wants. It does what brings it pleasure. It doesn't want to submit to God's absolute authority or even rely on God's absolute mercy. And so how does it respond? It responds out of hostility out of hostility and and I even I mean even think about it from like I know some lost people that are some of the sweetest nicest most caring people on the planet so it would appear but what Paul tells us is the mind set on the flesh that in opposition of God, no relationship with Jesus as a result of that, all of the niceness, all of the caring, all of the sweet gestures or, or, or kind uh, outpourings of action, if it's not for the honor and glory of our God, then it's for the honor and glory of self. And that's robbing God of His glory, robbing God of His majesty. And church, that's hostility. That's hostility. And so when you think of the flesh or of the world, think, think things that oppose or offend God. Uh, no matter how nice or sweet the person may appear to be. And again, like I said, I, I, like I know some really sweet, nice, lost people. But they're in opposition and they are an offense to God. Why? Because they are lost in their sin what they're saying is their way is better what they're saying is that they're a better God than he is what they're saying is they're self-dependent and have no need for him and and that's very hostile I mean that's awfully hostile I mean think about it for a moment if he created you he formed you and he fashions you and he makes you and he creates you and you are born And you come out saying that you don't want him. You come out saying you don't love him. You come out and you want to do it your way. You want to rule and reign your way. You want to live life your way. How offensive is that? When he says, I've given you everything. I've created you. I've made you. I know you. I care for you. I love you. I mean, that's the utmost hostility. And, And so what I believe is this is exactly what we see. Church, this, this is what we see. This is what we're experiencing in our world now. Believer, as you watch the news unfold, as you see things happen, as you, as you watch everything that starts to arise in our world, in our culture, this is exactly what we're seeing. I've had the opportunity over the last few weeks to have some, uh, just some really good, deep conversations, some really thought-provoking conversation. And in that conversation, we just talk about how the world's getting more aggressive toward God, more hostile toward God, and especially the things that he has said and has outlined as holy moral behavior, how the the world opposes it and the world wants nothing to do with it and the world thinks it's ridiculous. And it would just appear that the world is getting uh, lost deeper and deeper and deeper in sin. The world appears to be getting darker and darker and darker in this world. And if you'll watch, if you'll watch things unfold a little bit, it's even getting that way toward believers. It's even starting to happen toward the church. Like, I can't believe that they would stand up for this, or I can't believe that they would say that, or I can't believe that they would uh, go with that principle or that thought or that practice or that action. I just, I can't believe that they would, and you fill in the blank. And if I could just encourage your soul this morning here a little bit more with this thought, is this just going to continue to get worse? Because when you have light shine in the darkness, what does it do? It exposes. Light exposes in the dark. It it shows and it shines forth. And it lets us see what's really happening, what's really transpiring. And and be encouraged because didn't Jesus warn us of this? He says, hey, if, if they hated me and they despised me first, how much more will they hate you? So so you, by taking the name of Christ, you by believing in Him through faith, you're a marked somebody. You'd better be a marked somebody. You've got standards to live by now. You've got a, a, a level of holiness to obtain that's only found in that of Jesus Christ. They despised Him for it. They're gonna hate us all the more. And so Paul goes on in verse 17 he says this. He says, for the, the flesh lusts against the spirit. There's this longing and desire of the flesh that's in conflict of the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. So there's this battle that's, that's constantly brewing and constantly going on of, of good and evil, of light and dark, of God and Satan. So there is this battle, this fleshly battle that goes on. He says, and these are contrary to one another, so that you don't do the things that you wish so hear me believe and we're gonna talk a little bit at the end about this but, but there's a battle going on even in us as redeemed men and women of God there's still a battle that we face every day though I've been born again though I've been redeemed there is this fallen flesh that I'm still uh, uh, taken captive by that, 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 that I'm uh, trapped in And it's got longings and yearnings and I'm having to crucify the flesh. That's why you see Paul say that over and over and over again. Die to self, die to self, die to self. Take up your cross and follow is what Christ says. Why? Because we've got to be reminded that we're dead. No response to sin. No response to the things of this world. And so when that itch comes, we don't scratch it by jumping in. No, we, we, we fulfill that itch by running to the cross of Christ and being reminded of his love and his grace and his mercy. And all that he has poured out upon us by way of his son Jesus. So battle going on. He says this in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. That's what Paul is doing. He's just talking to the believers here in Galatia about walking and submitting to the Spirit, not fulfilling the desires and the longings of the flesh that are at war against the things of God. And so my hope here is to outline and define what it looks like when those things don't belong to God. And they start to act like they don't belong to God. I guess it's those moments that we've, that we've been in over the last few months. So I would say, I would even argue further back. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm from the time that I was born and I can remember there, there are things that are anti-God, things that, that fight against and they may not be a flamboyant and all in our face, but, but the darkness wants to succumb the light. It's those moments when we look and we say, what in the world I just want to outline some of those because hear me, lost man will look and act like the world because that's all it can act like and all it can be like. And it shouldn't surprise us. When lost man and fallen man acts like lost man and fallen man, that shouldn't surprise us or cause us to go into a tailspin. Because again, a duck can only act like what? A duck. A lost person can only act like a lost person. They might be able to fake it for a while. They might be able to pretend. They might be able to hope or wish it for a while. But at the end of the day, a heart that is against God will be revealed and will be made known. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is going to do. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, is what he says in verse 19. And so what he's saying is this, is that they're just obvious. They they make themselves known. The flesh, the world, it's going to make itself known because it's going to come out. Well, because man's going to act what man is. You're going to act what you are. I'm going to act what I am. Either a believer or a lost person. That's the only two outcomes. There's nothing in the middle. There's nothing a little hot or a little cold. It's it's either I am or I'm not. It's either you are or you're not. It's either the world is or it isn't. And Paul says the works of the flesh are evident. They're going to be made known. And he's going to say, which are? so I just wanna warn you for just a moment as we begin to walk through this list, it's gonna, it, Paul's gonna jump in head first and he's gonna hit hard these believers here in Galatia and he's gonna break down and he's gonna talk about some very pointed, in-depth things and so if you need to look through that list here for just a moment before we dive in um, or if not, you may be having some conversation with your kids and that's quite all right too uh, as a result of this, but I just wanna kind of warn you there because I believe that this is still gonna hit home for us because we live in a fallen world so 2,000 years ago when this letter is pinned we still fight against the same things that are fleshy that's what I love about the word of God Man, it's still prevalent in today's culture in today's world man it still brings life it still points points out and directs us in a way to go it, it still warns us and shows us and that's what we're going to see, these things that are obvious, which are, the first thing that he says is adultery or fornication. And so in the original language, when you see these two words here linked together, when you see them together here and you, you read them and you look at them, it's, it's where we get, um, uh, in the Greek word, it's, it's, it's the word pornonia, which is where we get our English word pornography. And what it does is it just refers to all forms of illicit sexual activity, premarital sex, homosexuality, prostitution… All of those things, it's all encompassing of any form of illicit sexual activity. And and so I just, I just feel like I need to say it this morning, is this, so so we as believers, we as the church, we as followers of Jesus, uh, adhere to his standard that he set. So if you're not married, you don't partake of certain things. There are certain things that are, are set aside for uh, this marriage covenant that you enter into between a, a man and a woman. And there are certain things that God has said, this is where you can enjoy those. Anything outside of that is sinful. It needs to be repented of. So if you're in a relationship this morning where you do these things, you need God to break your heart over it. You need your sin pointed out. You, you need to run to Him and be broken over that and ask Him to forgive you of your, your, your sinful flesh that you run after and that you, that you long to, to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So sex is reserved for a husband and a wife in that marriage relationship. The other thing that we see here in the Scripture as these words are put together, homosexuality is also uh, understood in this adultery or fornication and so we as the church we as followers of Jesus believe that homosexuality is a sin and I believe that there's coming a day and it's vastly approaching that when we stand up and we say that and we call it out it's going to be considered hate crime it's not hate crime For us to stand on God's word and for us to believe what the creator of all has created and what he has said is good, right, and holy. We just sung about it. I'm going to default to his understanding over mine. I'm going to default to what he has said over my feelings, over my wants, over my longings, over my desires. Why? Because I'm broken at the core. And so is everyone that's created... It would be like, let, let me, let me, let me do this for a moment. It, it would be like this right here. I've got one of these at home, iPad. And so, great invention, great device. Thank you, Apple, for all of your blessing us with this amazing device that you can surf the web, that you can even watch our service this morning on that. It, it's a computer the size smaller than a piece of paper, and so it would be like me purchasing one of these and it's not starting, it doesn't work right. After I open it up from the box and I, I, I discard the instructions because who needs instructions, right? That's what we do with the Word of God so often in the world. We don't, we don't need God's saying, we don't need His instructions, we don't need His direction. And so we pull it out of the box and we begin to try to fiddle and piddle and work it and we expect it to do a certain thing and it does nothing. So what we do is we look at it and we tell it what we think. We look at it and we continue to poke and prod and do what we want it to do. Try, try to force it to do and perform the way that we think it should, though we don't do the right actions, though we don't do the right commands, though we, though we don't follow protocol with it. And how crazy would it be for us to call up Apple, for us to call them up and say, you know what, you've given us a defected uh, product. And we walk them through the, the way that we come to figure that out. And they look at us on the phone and say, you're crazy. If you would just do this, then it would work. If you would just do these commands, if you would just act like this, if you would just make it do this, if you just push that button, if you just on the side do this, do that, if you would just do those things, then it would work properly. Then, then why in the world do we default to what we think over what God has said as the standard? And that's what's happening here in this realm of homosexuality. And, and, and hear me, I want to be very sensitive and I want to be very careful because uh, we as the church for too long have thrown stones, thrown rocks, stood on the corner with the megaphone and screamed at people like this instead of loving them enough to walk with them and try to figure Figure out and understand and hear their heart as we do that earning favors why so we can share the gospel and we can live out in front of them what it looks like to to be Jesus in this world not condemning because there's not one of us that has the power to do that but we have the power to love we have the power to care for we have the power to share truth and, and there is a God and a creator who has created things a certain way and how foolish are we to think that we can tell him how it should run like me calling Apple, telling them how the iPad should work. And so we believe as the church that this is sinful and that this is wrong and this is anti-God. But we're going to love you enough to walk with you. We're going to love you enough to invite you. We're going to love you enough to say, man, we would love for you to be here if you struggle with that. Or if you're in that kind of a relationship, man, we would, we would love to be able to earn your fellowship, earn your favor. Earn your friendship all the while loving you and sharing truth with you and serving you the way that Christ would. But that's what Paul says, any form of that. And so if you look at our world, what does our world do? It tries to draw you in with that, does it not? With this whole thought of sex sales, is it not in our culture? I mean, I can remember years ago when, when Hardee's would come on with this commercial and if you, you couldn't buy a cheeseburger without seeing a half-naked woman about to eat it. And I've never seen someone sit there with like hair blowing, music playing in the background, and they're taking a big old bite of this cheeseburger and ketchup. I mean, that's the, Nobody eats like that. You catch the ketchup with the napkin. I mean, but what, do, what does it do? Our culture and our world says if you want to enjoy, if you want to enjoy a cheeseburger, this is how we can get you here to eat it. Half naked. I mean, that's just the culture that we live in. And what Paul says is any form Any form of that, illicit sexual activity, lust, it's a part of that, tries to draw you in. He goes on, he says this, he says uncleanliness, he said lewdness, lewdness is just excessive behavior, it's a lack of restraint. He says idolatry, and and, and I just want to press here for a moment because idolatry is, is, what, what do you worship? What do you long for? What do you think of? What do you dream of more than anything else? And I think uh, what's happened is in this moment, some hearts have been exposed. I mean, some hearts have been exposed in some of the things that that we worship and that we love more than anything else, even more than Jesus. I mean, what's the big debate right now? Will sports ever go on? Who cares? Who cares? Jesus goes on. We get him. Worship him and make much of him first. If sports comes along, great. If it doesn't, great. Well, we get Jesus. What's the thing that we love and long for? Normalcy even? I mean, I, I mean I'll mean, i say that. I'll even make those little comments I just can't wait till things get back to normal. Hallelujah, praise God. What if God doesn't want normal for us? What if we had gotten so comfortable and complacent as the church that he said, you know what, enough's enough. I need to shake some things up. My people aren't acting and living and being like my people. So that can even become an idol. That can even become your God. He goes on and says this in verse 20. He says, uh, sorcery, sorcery's not Harry Potter, but it's this thought of mind-altering drugs, a way of escaping reality. And then the next three usually deal relationally with others. And he says this, he says, hatred, that's a deed of the flesh, that's the act of the world, hatred. And and here it's it's linked toward person. It's that thought of intense or, or passionate dislike for someone, any sort of someone, whether they look like you, whether they don't look like you, whether they act like you, whether they don't act like you. And, and it's so serious that what does Jesus say? He says that if you have hate in your heart then what are you guilty of? Murder? What, what are you guilty of? You're guilty of killing some, like physically taking someone's life if you look at them and you, you have hatred in your heart toward them it's, it's like you've physically taken their life is what Jesus says and so Paul outlines that as that's the way of the world that's the way of the flesh hatred and so I'm gonna go here for just a moment because I know we've been bombarded and bombarded and bombarded with stuff. And in my prayer, my hope is that, is that we step back for a moment and we always go to God's word. And this is our stance here as a church and as, as a people of God. It is that hatred toward any people or person group is wrong. It is sinful. Another way that we would say it is that racism is sinful and it needs to be repented of. It needs to be addressed and it needs to, we need to search our heart and we need to say, is there a, a hate or a loathing or even a dislike towards somebody because of something about them, like color or, or whatever it may be. Because hear me, church, racism is dehumanizing another person or people groups is what it is. Dehumanizing them, making them less than human, less than valuable, less than worthy. I think the thing about racism or the thing about this thought of hatred towards people groups that just blows my mind is that we would act like that towards someone who has nothing to do about anything about them. Nothing. So, So for me, I'm from West Virginia. I didn't have, I didn't have an option on that. God in the womb didn't give me the survey and allow me to pick what great state I wanted to come from. You're going to be born here to this family. And you know what else, Scott? When you grow up, you're going to be about, about five foot 11 You're going to have brown eyes. You're going to have brown hair unless you go get a box and you change that. And you're going to have a size 12 foot deal with it. That's what God did to me. And, and you know what? I didn't have not one option about it. I didn't have not one say about how tall I would be, what I would look like, what color my eyes would be. The size of my foot, I had no say in that. So if you have a problem with size 12 shoe people that are from West Virginia with brown eyes and brown hair, then you have a heart problem is what you have. And I think the most loving way that I could say that is that if you have an issue with someone because of the color of their skin, you've got an issue with God, not man. And the greatest thing you can do is you can run to the Father and you can allow him to expose those areas of your life and you can allow him to maybe show you and help help you work through some of those issues of why in the world would I have a dislike for someone over something that they can't even affect, something that they can't even change, something they can't even do anything about because of the color of their skin. And and, and hear me, church, we have got to stop with the ridiculousness of lumping all in because of the one. I mean, that's foolishness. We've, We've got to quit that junk. We don't lump every single person in because of something one person did. Ever. Nowhere else does it work like that. So Paul says if there's hatred in your heart towards someone, it's just revealing the flesh. It's revealing the fallenness of man is what it's doing. It's pointing to a way that's anti-God. He goes on, he says this, he says contentions and he says jealousies. Jealousies is not just wanting what someone else has, but it's also not rejoicing and being excited for someone whenever they get something that maybe you want. Verse 20, as he continues, he says outbursts of wrath. It's when you just lose it. And I'm just going to just tell myself this morning something that I did this week. I'm sitting there on the couch our oldest boy had been with grandparents in West Virginia and so our youngest is sitting there and we're on the couch doing something and I I don't even remember the situation because it's so like ticky tacky and ridiculous and I'm we're just sitting there and he's got these handcuffs these little plastic handcuffs that he'd got this week and cops and robber type stuff and we've been playing and all that type of stuff and we're sitting there on the couch uh mayor's next to me and and I'm here and he's doing something and we're trying to have conversation and we're trying to teach our boys that that when mommy and daddy talk you need to be patient patience in a kid is just Crazy, like, it just doesn't happen ever. And so, so we're talking, we're trying to do this, and he just keeps on and on. And, and I've looked him in his little eyes. I'm like, Hey, buddy, mommy, and dad are talking. Give us just a minute. And he keeps keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. And I finally, say, you know, I just grab the handcuffs. And I just chunk, I chunk him left handed It's so like it wasn't like a big hard chunk. Like, like I just throw it. And he like looks at me, and you could just see like the little the, the, the tears starting to well up. And he runs and he gets him. And and, and, and I look over, and I'm like, okay, now we can finish talking. And she's like, You dang right, we can. And she's like, it's going to start with, Boothang looks at me and says, and it's going to start with you handling what you just did. I'm like, but baby, we were talking and we were. And so what did I do? Got down on his level and I said, buddy, daddy's sorry. He blew, I, I, you never throw somebody's handcuffs. You, You never just grab that. I should have done a better job of being a daddy and I didn't act like daddy and I'm sorry. I said, look, I will talk to you in just a moment. We will we will roughhouse and play cops and robbers in just a second. Give me, me and mommy are talking and then we'll continue doing our thing. And so it's just, but in that moment, what did I have to do? I had to figure out what, what in the world happened to Scott? Well, I mean, what's he doing with his four-year-old and the handcuffs and he throws them. And he, in that moment, God convicts me and we work on it and we do something. He goes on verse 20, he says, selfish ambitions. It's just this thought of all about me, 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 me. How can I get ahead? What's best for me? What can I gain? What can, can I get out of it? He says dissensions. Dissensions just means uh, uh, divisions is what that means in verse 20 there. There's dissensions. That's, uh, if you try to divide it, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to touch here for a moment and we're going to move on, but, but gossip is a great way for that to happen. And I know it doesn't specifically say gossip here, but we can go to other scriptures if you want to and we can look at what gossip is and how God addresses gossip as sin, meaning that it puts Jesus on the cross. So if, if you try to gossip and tear down and break down or, or, or even get somebody to come onto your side without, without getting everybody together and discussing and talking and trying to work through, if you don't love somebody enough to go to them and talk to them and share with them, you just try to tear down or cause divisions, that's an act of the flesh, it points to the world. He says heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries. Revelries is just rowdy, boisterous, and crude behavior. He says, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who do such things those who do such things. And, and we've got to understand something here because in the original language, what it, what it does is it brings about this sort of practice. It brings about and describes a continual habitual action is what it does. It, it, it describes what it describes as a person whose character is bent toward uninterrupted and unrepentant continuation of these types of behaviors. It's a constant, that's where I go to, that's where I lean, that's how I normally get, that's where, that's just my heart and my direction and how I am, this, these are the natural responses that's just brought out in me. That's the thought there. Those who do such things, who practice continual habitual action there, that's where you land, where you always go to. And so this, this is where I just want to address us as believers for a moment because I don't know about you, but when I read through this list, there's just like a swift kick in the stomach. I'm like, dang, oh, just keep pounding and pounding and pounding, to which I say yes and amen, it does. And, and, and as I've just shown you, my, I mean, my shortcoming this week with a four-year-old, I mean, what adult picks up plastic handcuffs and chunks them across the room? I mean, I would whip my kids over for that. So when I read through this and I see this and I think about this and I think, man, I, I know that I'm born again. I know that I belong to God. I, I know because of what He's done for me and Him awakening in me, a greater desire for Him and a need for Him and Him showing me of my sin that, that He rescues and He redeems me. And so as we look at this list and as we walk through this and as we hear this, there's probably things even this week that you've struggled with, even things this week that that you've faltered in. And and there's things on this list that if I'm not intentional and serious about, that my heart will chase after in a moment. And so as a follower of Jesus, sometimes sin gets us. Sometimes sin grabs a hold of us. And and so I'm by no means saying that we're to be perfect. I'm by no means saying that, that we won't struggle with things on this list from time to time. But for the believer, for the redeemed, for those that no, are not of the world, our heart had better be glad, submission, and obedience to Jesus, even when we mess up, even in our sin. So when we mess up, that's what we do. When we fall into sin, that's what we do. We repent and we make right. We repent and we make right. So what did I do? I repent. I said, God, I'm sorry. It is foolish that a 37-year-old man would grab some handcuffs and chunk them across the room of the world. And then I made right with my little boy. And I said, buddy, daddy, sorry. And, and even into the next day, I have this conversation. So it's a great learning opportunity for me and for him. And that's what we do as a believer. The world don't do that. The, the world messes up or the world continues in the action that they're doing this list, they continue to do it. And then what do they do? They justify they, they try to justify, well, this is the reason why, or, or this is how, or, or I'm just just born this way. You're exactly right you're born this way. You're born lost and sinful and in rebellion to God. Yes, you're born this way. Now, let's do something about it. Quit making excuse for it. You're dang right you're born that way. Everybody is born that way. Lost and in the need of a Savior, and I'm here to tell you about Him. We've got to do something with it. verse 21, this is how Paul ends. He says this, I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what Paul says is this, and this is what Jesus says, and this is what echoes throughout the scriptures, that those that are of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who are lost in their sin, spiritually dead, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what Paul says is those who have not come to faith in Jesus, those who follow after the ways of the flesh and the ways of the world, what they do is they just prove that they don't belong to Christ. And they won't spend eternity with Him. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up as they prepare to lead us. It, and I just want to say that one more time. And in, in church, I want you to feel that for a second. I want you to hear, not just with your ears, but with your heart for a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to just break you in this reality. That those who are of the world and of the flesh and are in darkness and are lost, that when their life comes to end and they take their final breath, if they are not found in Christ, if they have not come to faith, if they've not been reborn, if God has not brought them from death to life and they've entered into relationship with his glorious son, Jesus by way of faith, through what He's done on the cross, the redemptive work of Him on the cross, if they have not entered into relationship with Jesus that way, then what they do is they die in their sin, they die in their flesh, and, and, and they will be eternally judged. They will be eternally separated. See I don't think we can really grasp that this morning Because we live in a world where the Holy Spirit still has influence Where the Holy Spirit still works and moves and draws and shows grace and mercy And for those who die separated from Christ They will never experience that again fire gnashing of teeth a worm die all that that's nothing compared to the reality of eternal separation from God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and I just don't know if we can feel the weight of that but I would beg with everything in me that God would let us have a taste of it so when we see and we look and we say what in the world chances are it's the world acting like the world It's the world just being the world. Because the world's going to respond like the world. The world's going to run after whatever makes it feel good. And I'm talking about people. I'm talking about groups. I'm talking about movements. I'm I'm talking about anything that's anti-God. Anything that, that goes against the glory and honor of our King. And the sad heartbreaking reality is this is that they will die in their sin separated from the creator of all who has given them the greatest gift that they could ever have and so what we see this morning is Paul outlining for us in the book of Galatians what that looks like so, so when we see racism flare its little head and hear me it's going to flare its little head why because the world is lost and lost runs to things that they, they feel comfortable in so, so if I can beat down or, or tear down or, or break down a certain group of people or a certain, certain uh, uh, whatever based on ridiculous, stupid stuff that we can't, even, we can't even control or do a thing about so I can build me up and make me feel better, then what am I going to do as the world? I'm going to do that. Or if I can cause divisions and, and separations, if I can stir the pot a little bit, or if I can go out and just fulfill the desires of my flesh and run after whatever makes me happy in that moment. The world's gonna do that. Why? Because that's what the world is. So for us as believers, and what we're gonna look at next week is what do we do with that? So the conversations that I've, I've had over the last couple of weeks with some close friends has been, discuss, what do we do? What stand do we take? It's about time we as a church, and I would say yes name into that, but what that looks like might not be what we think it looks like. And that's what we'll talk about next week. But this morning, if God has stirred in your heart maybe a realization that you need Him as Savior or if He's pointed out as we've walked through that list some of these things in your life that have been evident. If you belong to Him, then you repent and you keep going after the Father. But if you're lost and you beg Him to break your heart, you beg Him to forgive you and you enter in relationally with His Son, Jesus and you start to pursue and seek and submit in glad obedience. And if God has done any of that to stir in your heart this morning, I ask of you, man, reach out to us. Let us know. We count it an honor to be able to walk with you through that. Outline all the more what that looks like and what that means. But when we look and we say, what in the world? Usually it's because it's the world acting like the world. So I'm going to ask you this morning to pray with me. And they're going to lead us in a song of worship, a song of response. Just a time where God would stir. Father, I just pray this morning as we look at that list, the reality is this, probably everybody that hears that list looks at that list. I know for me, every time I visit that list, God, you show me or you stir up or make, uh, make all the more uh, aware of areas in my life that I need to submit. And I need you to break my heart over father this morning as we've looked at that as we've read that as we've realized that those who practice such things those who are in that habitual lifestyle of this who run back to that constantly and that's where they land father that they're probably of the world they're of the flesh and they need you and so father if there be one that has heard that this morning i pray you save awakening in them the reality of their need for you and those of us that belong to you jesus that struggle father god i pray that you would help us just get a get a, get a just a sense of the of the realness Sin and the desperation for you in it. Jesus, move this morning in this place. God, as we broadcast people watch this week, God move in a mighty way. Maybe for your glory and your honor. In our name we pray. Amen.